would uh, remind you in your bulletin, you do have a, a devotional guide for you. It's, it's there for you every week based upon the message, and it's for you to use for your own spiritual growth and edification. It's also designed for those in small groups who want to discuss uh, the subject of the sermon more and grow from that. I also want to lift up a, a series that I will begin uh, next week entitled, Why? And the list of those messages in the series are in your bulletin. Uh, some time ago, I posted on my Facebook page, what would you like to hear a sermon on? And not surprisingly, a lot of those questions came out of that post and people responded. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why are my prayers going unanswered? On and on it goes. So I hope that you will join us, take a look at that list, maybe invite some friends who have struggled with some of those things and uh, join us for worship. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of a, another Sunday of, of worship, especially on this uh, sacred day of communion. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends and your servants, Lord, a, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, please speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you today that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus did say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, for many people, one of the greatest Broadway plays ever produced was The Elephant Man. Based on the, the real life of John Merrick, a young man who lived in London in the late 19th century, he had a very difficult time, though, because he was extremely deformed, so much so that he was a sideshow act in the circus. People would tease him relentlessly. Mobs would chase after him and throw things at him. They were cruel. But there was a happy ending to his story. One time, Merrick was being chased down a street by a mob, and a, a train conductor and a police officer grabbed him and put him in a room and locked him in the room so the mob couldn't get him. And of course, he's in there, and a Dr. Travis shows up and saves his life. He turns Merrick from an object of scorn and pity into a very well-respected member of the community. But there's a particular scene in The Elephant Man that always touches me, always gets to my soul and heart. It's one of those scenes where he's in that room being barricaded from a mob, and he's screaming something, but the train conductor and the police officer cannot really make out what he's saying. And at some point, he says, Jesus... But they can't really tell what else he's saying. And then Dr. Travis shows up. And there's something that comes from the depths of Merrick's soul that anybody can make out. He simply shouts out, help me, help me, help me. There's something about that scene and there's something about those words that resonate with me. And I think it does for a lot of reasons. But one of the big reasons is I believe there are so many people in this community and so many people in this world that have the same cry. And they are crying out desperately, help me, help me, help me. I need help. There are so many people who desperately need the love and the grace that we preach. And so we have a choice. We can be helpful or we can be hurtful. We can be troublemakers or we can be peacemakers. We have a choice because make no mistake about it, folks, there are those who bring division and there are those who bring 
strife in this world and they are doing the devil's work. But there are those who bring unity to every situation and peace to any situation and healing to any situation. And I tell you, they're doing God's work. There will always be those people who seem to criticize, who seem to tear down. And I tell you, they are doing the devil's work. We know those folks, if they're not starting a quarrel, they're in the middle of a quarrel somehow. But then there are those who always bring healing and peace by their words, bring peace and unity. And I tell you, there are simply not enough people in this world like that. So I'll tell you, the central question of today's message is this. Are we going to be peacemakers or troublemakers? Are we going to tear down? Are we going to build up? Which one are you? So I'd like to break that question down into a few choices today. And one of them is this. We can encourage or we can discourage. We can be encouragers or discouragers. It's as simple as that. I love, I love Psalm 39.1 when David says, and I can relate to this, I don't know about you. He says to the Lord and he's talking to God, I will bridle my mouth. And as you read that psalm, you get the sense that David is really struggling to keep his mouth shut. And because David knew the wisdom of Proverbs 18.21 that says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words matter. Our words have power. They can build up or they can tear down. They can make someone's day or they can ruin someone's life. That should give us pause. Or as David's like to say, we should bridle our mouth. Now, growing up, my mom would often give me this advice, and maybe you've heard it before in your life. But oftentimes, my mom, she was very wise. And she she would say to me, Charlie, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Unfortunately, in our culture today, there are many people who follow a different version of that advice. And that is, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. Words can encourage or they can discourage. They can build up or they can tear down. And I'm not just talking about the words we say. I'm also talking about the words that we sometimes post on Facebook. Oh my gosh, you look at Facebook, you look at social media, how often are people posting things that tear down, that discourage? And it's not a very good witness, especially Christians who get on Facebook and they say all kinds of critical things and all kinds of of negative things. And we have to think to ourselves, what kind of witness am I reflecting? Our words and our posts can encourage or they can discourage. And I'll be honest with you. I think the world has had enough of criticism. The world has enough criticizers. Amen? It's easy to tear down. It's easy to tear something down. What the world needs are people who affirm. Are people who build up. Are people who encourage. Because you know what? I think criticism is overrated. Criticism is often couched in very righteous terms and and in righteous words. But let me ask you, how do you feel when someone comes up to you and says, can I offer you some constructive criticism? Can I really offer you some constructive criticism? How does that make you feel? Now, that doesn't mean there are times to be honest and to give feedback and to be objective. But in my experience, generally speaking, the type of folks who are always going around saying, I want to offer some constructive criticism, really, they're really there to tear down. They're not there to build up. 
So what have you chosen lately? Do you encourage or do you discourage by your words? You know, a lot of folks have it backwards. I don't know if you've noticed. Unfortunately, especially those in the church, in any church, where they have it backwards, where they think God has divinely appointed them to criticize, to tear people down. They feel they are righteous with it. But to be honest, in my experience, they're really miserable people. They're very bitter people. James Moore, the the great preacher, talks about an interesting event when he was a young preacher. And he moved into a a parsonage at a new church. Moved in with his family. and, And that morning they worked really hard. And then around noon they stopped to have lunch and their new dining room table in the parsonage. And about 12.15, there was a knock at the door. It was a lady with a casserole from the church. A faithful lady of the church. Came over to bring them a casserole. Very sweet. But then after she put the casserole down, she invited herself to lunch and sat at the dining room table with them and began to criticize Moore's predecessor. Can you imagine? Just began to talk about how awful he was, the bad things he did, and how Moore needed to fix them. And Moore confessed and said, I'll be honest with you, as she was talking, I was trying to be patient. I really was. I was trying to be gracious. I really was. But I was thinking two very specific things when she was doing this. One, I was thinking, she's saying more about herself than she is about my predecessor. And two, he said, I began to think, whenever I leave this church... Whenever I go to the next church, she's going to go through that door with my successor and say the same things about me. It's true. Isn't it sad how people feel they have been appointed to criticize? And and in, in all the churches I've served, the vast majority of people are very affirming, are, are, are very peace-giving or very graceful and gracious, but in every church I've served, there have been a few people who think they are there to criticize. Now, there's a great book by Laura Huxley entitled, You Are Not the Target, and she says this, if you're fortunate in life, you'll make three great discoveries. Number one, you can make people feel better or you can make them feel worse. Two, usually it's more satisfying to make people feel better. And three, when you make people feel better, generally, you feel better. Do you encourage or do you discourage? Here's another choice. We can heal or we can hate. We can heal or we can hate. It is simple as that. You know, it's it's interesting. People have often said when it comes to resentment and hate that it's a spiritual cancer, an emotional cancer. And someone once said that, Resenting someone is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And quite often when people are resentful of someone who did something wrong to them, they think being resentful is going to make them feel better, but all it does is make them feel bitter. And only forgiveness will set them free. Paul Turner in one of his books talks about an interesting situation, a true story, about a lady he knew who suffered from severe anemia. And the doctors really didn't know what to do. They couldn't figure out why she was so anemic. They would run tests. They would give her medicine. They would give her vitamins. They changed her diet. And they could not help her. And they didn't know what to do. 
And so finally one day they said, you know what, we need to check you into the hospital. So the day came and she was in the hospital and they checked her blood again. And lo and behold, she was no longer anemic. And the doctors, they were baffled. And they went up to her and said, have you been doing anything different? What did you do since the last time we visited? And she thought and said, yeah, I called my brother that I've been estranged from for many years. And I told him I was going to go into the hospital and could he come over? And we had a nice chat and I forgave him. Isn't that something? Her hate and her resentment made her sick. But her forgiveness healed her. Even changed the components of her very blood. We can heal or we can hate. And I love this verse from Scripture in Romans twelve twenty one. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not only because that heals us, but I'll tell you this, as sure as I stand here today, when we respond to cruelty with kindness, it is the greatest witness of our faith in the world. We can heal or we can hate. And that leads me to a last choice that we have. We can be kind or we can be cruel. Ephesians 4 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. You see, our faith is really simple. When it comes to where the rubber meets the road in our faith, we're simply called to reflect the kindness of Jesus Christ. That's it. I mean, the greatest commandment is really simple, isn't it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then Jesus would say, the world will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And what does that mean? That means we can get an A in Bible, but we can flunk Christianity. Amen? We can preach like Peter and we can pray like Paul. We can know theology better than our professors. We can know the Bible better than our biblical professors. We can know church history backwards and forwards, but it's only when we show kindness that the world and the community and the people around us see the power of our faith. That's where it is. But you know, some people never learn that. Some people never learn that kindness is the most powerful expression of our faith. You know, they they talk a good game about knowing the Bible, but they act as if they've never opened the Bible. And there, there are people, there are preachers here on this Sunday morning, somewhere around this world, all around this world. There are Christians on this Sunday morning who are bashing people, slamming people, criticizing people. And they think they're drawing people to God, but they're just pushing them away. You know, Maslow has a great quote. He says, if your only tool is a hammer, you seem to think everything is a nail. You know people like that? They see every situation and and every person, every issue, a nail to smash, to hammer. 
And they go through life just smashing things with their hammer, just smashing them to bits. And it destroys. One of the greatest lies ever said was this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the biggest lie because we all know that words cut, words hurt, words destroy. That's what they do. I'm sure there are many of you right now who still suffer, who still have scars from the words that were said to you when you were young. And you still play those tapes over and over again. You can't seem to get over them. I know in my life, there were words that were said to me by people that I looked up to, by people that I respected, that still cut, where I still have a scar. And I can't tell you how many people have come into my office as a pastor to talk about the things that were said to them that destroyed them. I recall a particular lady in her 30s. She suffered from an eating disorder. And of course, I I referred her to a counselor, but I also offered her spiritual care as a pastor. And as we began to peel that onion and get to the truth of the matter, the truth emerged. When she was a teenager, she was teased relentlessly because she was chubby. They would call her Jaws in the school hallway. They would hum the Jaws theme over and over again, and she never got over it. So much so that at 30, she was still struggling with an eating disorder. We have another tool, a better tool, and that's the tool of kindness. I tell you, your kindness may be the only sermon people hear or experience. Never underestimate the power of kindness. You know, Vic Pence was the senior pastor of Peace Street Presbyterian Church in Atlanta for many years. And he has a friend who was a manager at Microsoft one time. Had a lot of employees. And he was at a Bible study one day and they were talking about how to live out your faith in the workplace. And so he had had an idea. He thought the best way for him to live out his faith in the workplace, well, honestly was to actually talk to his employees instead of texting them and emailing them. You know, like they really mattered. They were 10 feet next to him and get up and actually talk to them. So that's what he did. For a couple weeks, he would get up and he would just talk to his employees and ask them about their lives and affirm them and thank them. And then one day, a couple of weeks later, he had an employee show up in his office with a brand new Xbox. Brand spanking new. And he couldn't believe it because he knew what he paid the guy. And he asked him, how were you able to afford this? And the young employee said, well, I I sold my gun. He said, you sold your gun? He said, yeah, before I started working here, my mom passed away and I was really depressed. I was really upset. And I thought working here would help, but no one really talked to me. So I, I, I began to Google articles on getting over death, getting over your parents' death, and all I really saw were a bunch of articles on suicide, and so I bought a gun. And I began to contemplate it. And I practiced it every day. And I thought to myself, you wouldn't even know I died unless payroll informed you. And then one day, you freaked me out. You came over to my desk and you put your arm around me. 
And you said, how's it going? And you said I was funny. And you also thank me for the work that I do and that I get it done on time and you really appreciate that. And so I went out and bought you an Xbox after selling my gun because you've told us over and over again that you want one, but your financial advisor, a.k.a. your wife, won't let you have one. So here, for my life, this is yours. Someone once said that everyone is fighting some kind of battle. So be kind. Be kind to everyone. Our words matter. Our kindness matters. And Jesus Christ gave us the ultimate example of kindness. You know, we so easily write people off, don't we? We so easily criticize people. And Jesus Christ, the perfect person who ever lived, He had every right to be cruel, to criticize. But He didn't. He never relinquished His love and kindness from anyone. In fact, as the world was being so cruel to Him, He was forgiving. As He was on the cross, suffering, He forgave the thief next to Him. And He forgave the world. And it was that kindness and forgiveness that redeemed us, that changed us. So to truly show the light of Christ in this world is to be kind. Because it's the only thing that's going to change this world. We can encourage or we can discourage. We can heal or we can hate. We can be kind or we can be cruel. The choice is ours. Let's pray. Eternal God, help us to remember the power of our words. They can bring life or they can bring death. They can heal a person or they can destroy a person. Oh Lord, by your Spirit, help us to pause before we speak. To think through things before we say things. To always carry your light of kindness in this world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us in worship today. We hope this has been a meaningful and inspiring time for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God our Heavenly Father abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.